I have a, um, a note here from Rice Cracker. That's how it's spelled here. If you were made the absolute dictator of the U.S. for one day, what are some of the things you would do? I think I would order everyone to have vegan chocolate chip brownies. Vegan chocolate chip brownies. Why would I do brownies? Well, I've been a vegan uh, now for, well, since 1995. That would be more than 14 years. Vegan chocolate chip brownies. Vegan chocolate chip brownies. As a result, I've had tremendous health, great energy, clarity. I've had uh, the ability to be able to connect my dietary choices with my health. I had Crohn's growing up and had a pretty serious bout with it throughout uh, my uh, 30s and 40s. When I changed my diet, the symptoms began to disappear. And I started to understand also how the choice of diet affects the environment, resources, energy. Uh, it's a spiritual choice as well. And so, uh, if I had one day to make an, an imprint on, on the nation, I'd look at the choices that we make with respect to food. Also, the matters of compassion towards living creatures who become food. Uh, we, we need to be more thoughtful as a nation about the choices that we make, about the choices that we make, and the food that we consume. And the food that we consume. That was Dennis Kucinich answering a question for Rice Cracker over the opening credits of our show here, Vegan Radio number 90. And today we have uh, some recordings I've done in New Orleans and Mississippi of PETA protests and PETA activists. Today's show I'm going to call The PETA Files. And as some of my listeners might know, I'm in New Orleans now. Um, we're not doing the show live on radio anymore. At least for the time being, we're going to have a more podcasty version of the show. And I'm going to be doing a lot of interviews and on-the-scene stuff. And uh, hopefully it'll be getting a little creative and some surprises coming. Um, this show here is kind of straightforward, just interviews that I did out on the road with these PETA people. And um, I tried to answer some of the tougher questions that PETA should be asked the people you are hearing are just activists. They're not like PETA employees or anything. It's not the official PETA words. It's just it's just the just the viewpoint of some people that are activists for PETA. So the first protest uh, I went to was on uh, January twenty seventh, two thousand ten, outside a casino on Canal Street in downtown New Orleans. There was the uh, PETA meat trade demo they called it, and the activists were. Um, kind of naked, except for some bare minimum coverings over their genitalia. And <laughs> uh, that's a funny word, huh? Genitalia. Their genitalia were covered. But they were in these um, giant containers that were looked like a giant meat tray of styrofoam. And then um, they wrapped cellophane around them, their naked bodies. And the, the, there was a sticker that said human flesh. Um, and it was only like 99 cents a pound or something. Not not as much as you would expect. But anyway, so they were uh, naked and in these meat trays, and people, of course, came around to gawk at them and say their usual silly things that people say when they see naked PETA protesters. 
And so I did some interviews with some of the people there. And uh, this is the first protest. And then the second protest in the show is uh, against NASA and space monkeys. So it's a little different. But without further ado, let me play this first interview for you. Hi, we're here in New Orleans on the corner of Canal in St. Peter uh, with uh, PETA. What's your name? David Shirk. And you guys are traveling around with this uh, new demonstration tactic. Yes. Could you tell us about it? Well, um, it's a startling image, but we're, it's to remind people that whether it's a person, a pig, or a cow, flesh is flesh. And before they're wrapped in cellophane, uh, chickens and turkeys have their throats slit while still conscious and are scalded alive. Pigs have their tails, testicles, and teeth cut without painkillers, and uh, cows are often skinned alive. So we have, uh, we have some simulated meat trays with naked activists in them, uh, a couple guys and a couple girls, and uh, they're wrapped in cellophane with little uh, tags on them that say flesh with their prices. Seems like they're priced a little bit low. Is that uh, for a reason? <laughs> well, you know, it, it is true that, um, that the United Nations released a report saying that um, that meat production is responsible for some of the worst environmental uh, problems like um, air and water pollution and, um, and global warming. So the best thing you can do for the environment is to go vegan. Do you think the government is subsidizing this human flesh? Is that one of the reasons it's priced so low? Yes, that, that's true. A lot of the cost is, um, is, is basically, uh, you know, takes its toll on the environment and, um, and uh, taxpayers. So what cities have you been to so far? Well, uh, this is the first city we're doing this one in, uh, but we'll also be in uh, San Antonio. San Antonio, that's Texas. Yes, correct. Oh, that'll be fun. Yes. That's, that sounds like a more hostile environment. Well, yeah, there's a cattlemen's is... conference there. So <laughs> The same week? Uh, yeah, it's in. Uh, it's the day after tomorrow we'll be there. So. Are you guys going to bring any bodyguards or bulletproof vests or anything? <laughs> no. <laughs> our, our message speaks for itself and... Um, you know, and when, when people uh, realize how animals are treated on factory farms, um, you know, they see that the best thing to do is to go vegan. And how do you feel? I know that uh, there's, there's a lot of controversy around PETA because of the naked thing and using uh, naked humans to attract attention to animal issues. How do you respond to that? Well, it, it is an appalling image to think about um, eating uh, people uh, for meat, but um, the, the truth is is that uh, animals like uh, cows picking chickens and pigs are um, uh, feel pain and fear just like humans do, and uh, they suffer terribly on factory farms. I think they do have pickings here, actually. There's, there's a lot of weird animal food here, I've, I've come to realize. Yeah. I've only been here two weeks myself, so... Um, and how long have you been working with PETA? Oh, five months. Yeah. Five months? Yeah. Is there any, uh, anything else you want to tell our listeners? Well, if people would like to see actual video footage inside factory farms and slaughterhouses, they can go to uh, PETA.org. Is Meet Your Meat still the, the yes. main video you guys are putting out there? Uh-huh, yeah. And, um, I'm sorry to interrupt. Can I talk to you for a second? Oh, the cops are here. we got to go. <laughs> we'll be back with more vegan radio <laughs> after these police interrupted messages this is bruce friedrich with people for the ethical treatment of animals you're listening to vegan radio 
Remember, the animal rights movement is the social justice movement of our time. Hi, what's your name? Elizabeth. And you're a local activist? Yes. How'd you get involved in the uh, protest? Well, um, I'm active within the PETA organization, and I knew they were going to come down here. Actually, those are my sisters. They're twins. And <laughs> they're oh, I've been talking to one of them. Right Rachel? No, uh, Lynn uh, and Robin, actually. Oh, Robin, Robin. That's yeah. right. Um, so you're one of the sisters. Yes. That's exciting. I've been waiting to meet you guys. Oh, I just really? moved here myself, so I, uh, oh. I've been talking to Robin by email, but I haven't met her yet. Oh, okay. And this is, uh, well, the first time I saw her, she's naked, so it's kind <laughs> yeah, of odd. But there. <laughs> Oh, that's her over there. Yeah. Okay. Is that the other one over on that side? Yeah, they're on either end, yeah. Oh, the twins. Okay. Uh-huh. I got it now. I got it. So um, how, do you, uh, how do you find out about these protests through PETA? Is there, a, is there a, like, an email list or something? Yes, you can be part of the A-team, and if you go to PETA.org and follow the links, you can sign up, and they'll send you emails periodically about demonstrations or, you know, even contests, things like that. So, Is Mr. T on that team, too? or Mr. T? You don't know Mr. T? <laughs> No, I don't think Wasn't that the A team? I don't remember. <laughs> you don't you, you don't remember that TV show? It was yeah, before yeah, your no, time, no. probably. I pee the food goes home crying to his mama. Um, so are you vegan or? Yes. And how long have you been vegan? Oh, like three or four years, I think. And was it through PETA activism that you came to veganism, or was it something else? Um, I was a vegetarian first for a very long time, and then I saw the I Am's Cruelty video, and I realized that there was animal testing being done and. Um, I had no idea until I saw a video, and ever since then I've been vegan in, in all areas of life, like, you know, what I wear, um, I don't see, I don't go to circuses, um, I don't eat meat, all that, all that, so. And how do you, uh, how do you, how do you survive in this meat-centric city here? It's hard, but we have Cafe Bamboo. And that's it. Do you go to other places? Do you go to places that um, serve meat but have vegan options? Or? I do, actually. Um, and there's a website. I think it's NOLA Vegetarian or NewOrleansVegetarian.com. I can't remember. But there's a whole list of uh, restaurants in the area. Happy Cow, too, has restaurants um, that have the options, like including Whole Foods, actually, does, too. So. Have you ever had faux crawfish? No. Me neither. <laughs> but I would like it. <laughs> yeah, we need some, we need some faux uh, Cajun options down here, I think. Well, thanks so much for talking to yeah, us. Yeah, no problem. Nice to meet you, actually. It's good to meet you. I'm Derek. Derek? Okay. And uh, it's Vegan Radio, as you can see on my shirt. Oh, okay. And it's a podcast, so you're going to be heard all around the world. Oh, gosh. Please cut out all the nervous, like, stuttering. Well, nobody knows your last name, so you're safe. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah, thank you. That was Elizabeth and the PETA protest that happened in downtown New Orleans shortly after I arrived, end of January 2010. So up next, I... Uh, went on another PETA protest in March of 2010 where we went down to Mississippi to protest the uh, NASA in Mississippi, the space organization that has actually a long-standing record of testing uh, on monkeys. They started in um, the late 40s. 1948, there was uh, the first ever monkey astronaut named Albert, who was a rhesus monkey, and uh, got sent into space on a V-2 rocket, died of suffocation during the flight, replaced by Albert II, another rhesus monkey, who uh, got sent out on the V-2 rocket again, survived the flight, but on, uh, and died on impact on the return to the ground and then became the first monkey in space. You know, I'm sure he was 
really happy about that. Um, Albert III died at 35,000 feet, and then Albert IV also died. Um, and then, you know, on and on through the years, they used monkeys. Uh, another one, 1958 Gordo, uh, squirrel monkey, survived being launched, but then uh, killed due to mechanical failure of the parachute recovery system. Goliath, a squirrel monkey, died in explosion of his Atlas rocket, November 10th, 1961. And then bon Bonnie, a pigtailed macaw, flew on biosatellite 3, died within a day of landing. Not too good uh, outcomes for these monkeys. Now this new thing they're doing is a um, test on radi testing radiation on monkeys. They're going to have um, 28 or so squirrel monkeys exposed to a low dose of radiation that uh, astronauts traveling to Mars can expect to encounter. Scientists are interested in studying how the radiation impacts the monkey's central nervous system's behaviors over time. This guy, Jack Bergman, he's a behavioral pharmacologist at Harvard. A little too into his intellect and a little too far removed from compassion. Here's a quote that is really uh, kind of disgusting. The beauty of this is that we can assess at different time points after exposure. So not only do we get a sense of rather immediate effects, but then we can look again at longer time points. That kind of information just hasn't been available. Goes on to say the animals won't be killed. Um, they're going to be cared for by veterinarians and staff. So, you know, it's always this ethical question whether we should, you know, whether it's the, the good of the human species or whatever, and our little dreams of going to Mars are, are uh, justified by committing violent acts against sentient beings who are, they are primates, they have central nervous systems, brains, probably some rudimentary language skills, and uh, they don't want this to happen to them. Their bodies are being used against their will and it's an abomination. And so we're going to listen to what these PETA activists are doing and what they hope to achieve, and also some questions that I asked from uh, kind of a abolitionist's viewpoint about the tactics of PETA. So without further ado, here you go. It's been too long, but we're back. <laughs> this is a vegan radio special edition road trip to a PETA protest. We're here with the Barcherian sisters, Lauren and Elizabeth, and the uh, infamous Desiree Dabdoop. Is that how you say your name? Yep, that's correct. Dabdoop? Dabdo, two syllables. A dab will do you. So do you, you, you have a kind of a concept what this protest is about? Could you explain it to our listeners? Um... Well, we're going to the Cine Space Center because uh, they're 
they're using 1.75 million in taxpayer dollars to do experiments on very sensitive social animals, monkeys, uh, squirrel monkeys, and they're going to be exposed to massive doses of radiation and then locked into their cages for the rest of their lives. And it's going to cause cancer, premature aging, cognitive decline, and it's very sad because these are very social, highly intelligent animals that live out their lives with other social, sensitive, intelligent monkeys, and this is is not fair to create this kind of um, harm to these sensitive animals for human gain, maybe money, who knows what the, the reasons are, um, but it's um, highly offensive. How long have you been vegan, Desiree? Um, about three years, vegetarian, maybe six years altogether. Six years vegetarian? Yes. Three years vegan? Yes. Correct. All right. How do you feel? Wouldn't, wouldn't trade it for the world. No? One of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. What was the other one? <laughs> well, that, that, I'll tell you that one at a later date. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, have you ever you have, have you ever done PETA? Oh, you did the, you did the meat tray demo, but you you had your clothes on. Did you feel did you feel overdressed? I did feel overdressed, but I have done other PETA protests. I a few years ago I did the the fur protest where I was less clothed, um, and so I've I've been involved and done a few different PETA demonstrations, and I'm I'm happy to be involved anytime I can. So do you think there's a benefit to taking your clothes off to try to save animals? Um, well, I mean, I'm not ashamed to do anything. Uh, I'm not ashamed to shed my clothes, to stand up and, you know, for suffering of animals. I, I have no, I don't have any problem with that. You don't feel that it pisses off the feminist movement or maybe, um, detracts from our message by making people think we're wacky? Well, it's possible that people will all, always have their opinions, and that's okay. Um, it doesn't bother me. I'm, I'm willing to do anything that brings our message across about the suffering of animals. Um, anim beautiful animals are killed for their fur, um, and so if something... I don't mind doing something that's a little bit uncomfortable or is not popular with the masses. Oh, the masses. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I, th I think uh, naked women are popular with the masses. That's probably why PETA uh, decides to use naked women and, and men. They, they have a couple naked men every now and again. Um, I don't know if they're going to get me to do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of skeptical myself. I don't, I don't know if I uh, really... I'm kind of don't know if, if it's the best tactics. I think for my own my own activist purposes, I'm I have other. I think there's other ways to attract media attention. Um, and I, I um I and and that's very understandable. Uh, not everyone agrees with Peter's tactics. I think that there are very many different ways that we can get our message across and doing it different ways that appeal to. To various types of people and the ways that they 
they think about uh, animal rights is okay because not all of us are going to come to the table with the same um, way of getting our point across as long as the center or the heart of our message is the same and that's animal suffering. So is that is the heart of the message for you that people should go vegan or is it that we should just reduce the ways in which animals are exploited what's what is uh what's your ultimate goal as far as activism both both of those things um going vegan um is something that i'm trying to present to others as a way to help end uh animal suffering and help the planet and the earth um and also, I, the idea of exploiting animals is, is not okay with me. So really, yes to both of those questions. Excellent. Lauren Barcherin. <laughs> How's it going up there? It's going okay. Yeah? Are you excited? Nervous? Mm, I'm not nervous. Um... How do you feel about... Um, I know you've been naked for PETA. Um, do you have any ethical concerns about it, or what, what's your feelings on the on using nudity to attract attention to animal rights issues? I am a feminist, and I understand um, people's concern that it might not be the best tactic, but I feel like it's more a reflection of what gets people's attention and I think that organizations like PETA are just trying to get as much exposure as possible and no pun intended <laughs> if that's the um, the best method then I don't think it's degrading for women if it's a choice and it's more like a celebration of women's bodies and I think whatever is going to attract people's attention is the method that PETA is going to use. So if if people were going to pay attention, if it was um, something that didn't involve, you know, women wearing little clothing, then they would use it. But it's just it's just more a reflection of um, what gets the most media attention, what gets um, put on blogs. So. Since it's not um, something that's offensive to me, and I think it's more a celebration of women's beauty, then I don't see the problem. Um, but I do understand the concern because um, there is too much of the media using like women's bodies. But I think this is for a, a positive message, and. Do you think we could have a uh, animal rights burlesque tour or something like that? Yeah, I think that's possible. I mean, anything that appeals to the general public that gets the word out is effective. So, um. so if there were more effective methods, you would be uh, less willing to take your clothes off. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the whole point is just to get the word out and and spread awareness. And it's a shame that um, you have to use extreme tactics to get people's attention because people just aren't going to listen unless you you have a wow factor or, or 
surprised them a little bit. So it's more a reflection of the public than a reflection of PETA, I think. You think if we had flamethrowers and we walked around town with fire shooting out of our heads, that might work too? Yeah, I think that's possible. Anything um, out of the We ordinary. could grill tofu hot dogs on our heads. Maybe. But, you know, we don't want to come off as crazy. So. <laughs> well, that's exactly my point now. <laughs> you don't think, like, running around naked is, is crazy? Um, I, I think it, it might, in some cases, diminish our uh, message to, to have us always naked all the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I understand that. I think that PETA's just experimenting with different methods. And um, if it's just, you know the meat tray demo is going to get more media exposure than today's demo, you know, and that's just because it makes for more interesting news to people. So if, if it's a way to get more, you know, exposure to the public, then I think it's effective. Of course. Maybe we could go fire some model rockets at NASA and see what they would do. Yeah. That'll get some media exposure. <laughs> now, what do you think about us, the, the animal rights groups like PETA being so focused on fur when like everybody's wearing leather and other animal wool and other animal products why don't we just uh just uh come out as being against all of that instead of just focusing on fur so much so Elizabeth I, I hear you want to chime in up there right I mean basically more people will jump on the bandwagon um against fur than against leather even though PETA agrees wholeheartedly that they're all incredibly cruel and there's really no, there's no one thing that's more cruel than the other. It's all exploitation and torture. Um, but they know that this is something that, like Lauren said, more people will agree with. So we're getting them, you know, little by little, we're making our way, you know, into the world of animal rights. But you can't just ask for everything right away. And that's what PETA realizes. It's a logical reasoning. And I think that they're, you know, they're doing the right thing because no one's going to stop wearing everything initially, but they're going to say, oh, you know what? Fur is really cool. I'm going to stop wearing that. And then maybe eventually down the road, they're going to start reading more into it. I mean, we, we all started with like one video or, or one story and then we, we delved further into it and, you know, got more involved. So I think that's, that's why they're focusing on fur um, as a main cause right now. And that's why they, when they go to, you know, um, different companies, and they ask for more humane treatment of the animals, it's not because they don't agree. It's not because they agree with killing animals for food. They don't. None of us do. But they know that McDonald's isn't going to stop, you know, paying slaughterhouses to kill animals. But at least for right now, those animals can have, a, you know, a slightly, treated slightly better um, in the meantime. And then as we progress further, you know, eventually, ho hopefully the world will all be vegan one day. But, you know, we can't ask for that right now. So... What can we do for the animals right now at this moment that are living that life, you know? All right. Well, the, are you guys familiar with the um, kind of the abolitionist movement that's up, kind of um, disagrees with a lot of these kinds of tactics? Where are they going to get? No, you know that this... You know, well, the, here's, here's the thing. Now, um, as long as there is a demand for meat and animal products, there's going to be a supply. So if you if you attack McDonald's and try to get them to put more room in the cages for the the hens or whatever, you know, 
there's still going to be this demand for meat and the animals are going to be exploited. So instead of using the the resources of the animal rights movement for campaigns to like get bigger cages or, or reduce, you know, the exploitation of Kentucky fried chicken on one front, um, what if we use the resources of the animal rights movement just to convince people to go vegan? They do. They do. They do that also. And one of the, like they have an entire division devoted to people trying to get people to go vegan, trying to convince people to go vegan or vegetarian. And the thing is, is that in the meantime, another division of PETA is trying to help the animals that are you know dealing with this right now today, at this minute. So. There's an entire division devoted to getting people, you know, interested in the idea of being vegan. But it's not going to happen overnight. So why not try to help the animals that are in the slaughterhouses right at this very moment? I mean, that's just... I don't think that's being realistic. I mean, we have to, you know, face reality that McDonald's might still be here in our lifetime for the rest of our lives, you know. But because it's a huge corporation and people are still going to eat meat for a long time. But while we can, we can at least improve their conditions. I mean, it'd be foolish to think that we should, you know, spend our time um, trying to convince everyone to go vegan because it's not going to happen today. Right now, there are animals that are living in really poor conditions that can at least be treated better. So, you know, it's like one of those necessary evil things. We need to be smart about this and... Um, at least try to improve things. It would be foolish to just try to spend our time doing something unrealistic, you know? Well, the, I think the, um, the counter-argument to that would be, and, and what a lot of um, I'm seeing out in the, the world, is that by reducing the, um, you know, by focusing all these efforts on reducing... The, the amount of suffering or making more humane slaughter methods, more humane, basically, factory farms are, be, are trying to re-market themselves as being humane by taking away cages or giving them more space while they're still crowded together and de-beaked and everything in the same situations. These things tend to relieve people's consciences, and, and so people can pay a little more for this happy meat and feel like they're doing their part and they don't need to go vegan they can just uh they can just pay a little more and get the cage free hen cage free eggs or the free range chickens or whatever and and then they don't have to go vegan because they're already doing they're already treating the animals better and they're not confronting the uh the base issue that is our enslavement of animals and using them as property and as long as animals are used as property, then they're going to be exploited no matter how comfortable their cages are if we're playing them Mozart while we slaughter them or something. As long as there are going to be meat eaters and meat, let's at least make the conditions better. Because there's, let's face it, most of the population are meat eaters. So as long as there's going to be meat, if you are um, a consumer that has a choice, you know, it's better to choose more humane methods so but I think a lot of these humane methods are are kind of a whitewash they're kind of just like humane and name only and and it's it's a way for these companies to make more money selling the same exploitation 
I'll tell you this. When you write to PETA and you ask us if it's more humane to buy those, you know, with the labels, the organic free-range labels, we're going to tell you it's not. Because we're going to tell you that the USDA doesn't actually go in there and check. And they're going to be going to the same conditions that, um, you know, a non-free-range, non-organic farm is going to do, or a slaughterhouse is going to do, or a factory farm. And PETA is only doing these behind-the-scenes things with co organizations or companies but when they're actually talking to people day to day on a day to day basis, they're telling them not to purchase meat or dairy whatsoever. PETA is not condoning purchasing, you know, meat or dairy ever, 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 ever. Oh, right. All this talk about the masses. What do you guys think about the masses? If we're, we're like a bunch of monkeys, you know, we're, we like follow, you know, the masses is kind of a metaphor for how, you know, the majority of the population kind of follows what is popular so the more people that go vegan the more likely more people will go vegan because it it's kind of a snowball effect that's what that's what the masses really is you know if there's a if there's a trend um then people will follow it because we are a bunch of monkeys following each other around in our in our little tribes and um so if we focus a lot of energy on making more vegans, um, I think that that will help reduce animal suffering because, you know, it's I, it's it's easy to say that in our lifetimes nothing will change. People are going to eat meat, and that's you know probably true. But what if we have this vision of people not eating meat? And we and we really try to pursue it instead of saying it's not going to happen. Well, they do pursue it. We are trying to pursue. It. We we. Oh. Who's going? Who's going? <laughs> Peta spends millions of dollars trying to persuade people to go vegan. So, I think it's just um, you know a different avenue to take. There's so many ways to to combat the issue of you know animal exploitation. It's just another way, and majority of their efforts are focused on, you know, persuading people to go vegan, so. Personally, I just think the majority of people are just uninformed, and, you know, we all used to be meat eaters, and we just didn't know. It's, it's just, there's a lot that people don't know about, and where their food comes from, there's just a lot of ignorance. It's not people's fault, because the meat industry tries so hard to conceal it. But I personally think if we put it on, like, the 6 o'clock news, like, showed footage of slaughterhouses, I actually think that would really affect people. Because I think most people, um, most people don't like animal cruelty. I just think that they don't know any better. They don't know what's going on. And they just, they're kind of in the dark. Right. Well, if you're living in a neighborhood and there's no vegans and no vegan food at the stores... It's pretty. It's it's a lot less likely that you're gonna go vegan. But if you're living in a in a neighborhood and three or four of your neighbors are vegan and they have some good vegan food at your supermarket, then then it's uh, it's more likely that you're gonna be open to that. I think people are very you know people are very influenced by their peers and uh, what's going on around them. So. For me, I like to I like to focus my activism on on how we can get you know make the vegan world more accessible to people who can't access it. 
more attractive, you know. Um, you know, I think people like to, they gravitate towards, towards people and uh, ideals that are appealing to them in some way. So how do we get, how do we make the vegan message appealing? How do we, uh, how do we get it out there? How do we get vegan food into these New Orleans restaurants that are centered around crawfish and alligators? And how do we do this? You know, a single woman was able to convince the Cruiser's Pizza Parlor in LA to turn into an entirely, entirely vegan restaurant. From she asked them to have one pizza with vegan cheese, their sales went up 63%, and as a result, their entire restaurant is now officially vegan, and they they served all kinds of meat. Yeah. Kind of amazing. So I think you one have person, to you have to show businesses that there's a demand for vegan food, because a lot of them just look at it as, okay, can I make any money out of it? And right. you need to show them that there is a demand for it, and then that's when they start to have more vegan options because otherwise they're just not going to listen unless it's about yeah. money support the bk veggie veggie burger support the subway garden burger support support all of these options that restaurants are serving for this population of you know vegetarians and vegans because without that they're never going to continue and they're, and they're going to take it off the menu you guys have any ideas how to get veganism into uh lower income and more ethnically diverse communities Actually, I think a lot of ethnic um, communities have a lot of vegetarian options, but... Um, well, maybe, maybe as, as far as Asian communities. Asian I don't know about Asian, black communities uh, or Latin American. A lot of it starts with the, with the kids and the schools. And um, <laughs> I actually have a big issue with the way that... Um, I was student teaching at this elementary school and there got milk ads in the cafeteria and we had a nutrition woman come to teach the kids about nutrition and she told them that they have to drink milk to have strong bones and she told them, you know, they need to eat meat. So I, I think that we need to educate kids about um, how to keep themselves healthy and I don't think we should follow the food pyramid or the... There's a new vegan pyramid. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it, but... A new what? It's a, it's a vegan food pyramid. But um, I have a big problem with the way that they advertise to kids in schools. I think that we just need to do a... Um, teach kids about how to eat healthy without any agenda because a lot of it is just the government and the the dairy industries going hand in hand together and and advertising to kids and I don't think that's right I think it should just be about actual health and then it starts there and, and then they tell their parents and and then they teach their parents the older generations that might not have had that kind of education about it and it just kind of spreads the word actually um, PETA 2 organization um, with PETA promotes that sort of thing in schools because they give kids from 13 to 21 an incentive by offering them like you know free free swag like um you know sweatshirts and lunch boxes 
if they go into their school and get the cafeteria to add a vegan option or if they go into their local coffee shop and ask the coffee shop to add soy milk so you know thousands and thousands of kids are going out there and doing these things and um, promoting the cause and you know creating a demand for it and PETA 2 is offering an incentive to do that so I think it's awesome and um, at PETA 2 they'll help them the entire way they'll give them you know um, letters they can send their principal they'll tell them what to say if they need help with it um, they'll hook them up with you know um, an organization that will supply that vegan option in the cafeteria so it's pretty amazing PETA 2 What's your name? Jeremy. And uh, you're you're um, dating a PETA activist. What's that like? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not dating the PETA activist. I'm friends with the PETA activist. Oh, this is a platonic relationship. <laughs> it's complicated. It's complicated. Complicated. So do you guys have on your, Facebook, on your Facebook page, does it say it's complicated? It doesn't. It doesn't. It's a, it's a single. Are, is your podcast, are your podcast listeners interested in my Facebook page? Um, yeah, what is it? No, I'm just kidding. My um, name is. So, are, are you are you a, a vegan too? Or are you? I am about ninety percent vegan. Basically, everything that I spend my money on is vegan. But I I I don't turn down things for free that are non-vegan. So you don't have any restrictions. So I'm 100% vegetarian, but not hundred percent vegan. Oh, you are vegetarian at the very least. Yes. Okay. Well, that's good. And uh, how how many um, of these protest events have you been to? Uh, three or four? Not very many. Wait, what? What's the money shot? Money shot, money shot. Is this like a rocket ship or something? Oh, it was the money shot. Went right by us. <laughs> Vegan radio. Just get some ambient <laughs> noise. Just get some sound. We're here outside of NASA's, what's this place called? Stennis Space Center, America's largest rocket test complex. And unfortunately, they test on squirrel monkeys. How do you feel about that, um, <clears throat> RB? She's very upset. She can't even talk. Come on. It's not so bad. You're not talking right now. You're not talking right now. She won't talk. She won't take a picture. She's highly undercover. Oh yeah, they love us. They love us. They're waving. They're on board. Oh, here comes a NASA tour bus. This is the money shot. Get in place. Get in place. Places. It's the money shot. Money shot. We got the money shot. Desiree Dab Dube. Great, great, Derek. You did an awesome job, Derek. to do this out here from M, from the from the I'm, I'm the manager of the 
welcome center. And you know, with people coming in, I have to. I'll see. Let me call my boss in Jackson, y'all, so that we can y'all can get that situated. To we're actually. So, oh, I'm sorry. We're actually just about to head out. Um, we just really wanted to get. We just some, wanted to educate um, some people yeah, about some what foot Jermaine Nash is doing. Pass out a few leaflets. Yeah. Okay. Very see, I don't know how that works. I know that we have a solicitation policy mm -hmm. for our area right here. So, you know, I don't know. And I understand what you all are saying. And I do yeah. know that you all need to get your message out. Mm -hmm. But because of our solicitation policy, I think before you do anything, we do have to get permission in order for you all to be on the property. Okay. Well, thank you for your okay. kind and, and, um, I think we're just going to probably... Because our security's head, okay. Would you like yeah. a brochure? Okay. okay. <laughs> I should know what Ma NASA is doing to the squirrel monkeys. Okay. It's thank not you. very nice. Okay. Well, thank you so much. So, um, I'll go so I can let my uh, the, my boss in Jackson know what's going on. Let your boss okay. know about yeah. the squirrel monkeys, too. I'll, I'll let, I sure will. Thank okay. you all so thank much. Thank you. Okay. Listeners, that was the pedophiles. I hope you enjoyed. Um, yeah, my microphone died during uh, recording of this podcast, and so I had to switch over to this crappy uh, cell phone microphone, which is why I didn't put more commentary in between the sections. But I hope you figured it all out. Um, the protest went pretty well. We got some good pictures, which I'll be posting. Uh, you can check out at veganradio.com. And, yeah, this was my first uh, podcast produced in New Orleans. I've got some other great audio interviews recorded at this point, and hopefully I'll be releasing them soon. Sorry that I haven't been more frequent in podcasting, but I've been establishing a base down here for vegan radio and the vegan bus connecting vegans i'm the vegan examiner of new orleans which is a article i've been writing for the examiner.com you can check it out i'll link to that from the show notes also uh yeah getting together a vegan baking group down here and also going to be bringing the vegan bus here in october so we're gonna have to update this uh outro song <laughs> and uh, we will be getting Scott and Megan back involved with this show soon too so I know uh, I know my voice gets boring and old after a while and so uh, don't worry there will be other interesting people besides these crazy PETA activists who are they're really great people and um, I hope you enjoyed the show and um, geez I, don't, I just don't know how to end without the banter of my co-host so I'm I'm missing them as much as you are guys so don't uh, don't give up on vegan radio it's about to get bigger and better and we got a new website on the way we love you we love you all and by we I mean me
Go vegan. Stay vegan.